Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, you may not have noticed it, but God and I have been having a wrestling match for the last five minutes. This has happened, I can count on one hand, the number of times in my entire ministry. We as pastors and teachers, we spend many hours that you don't know about studying and preparing. So what I'm about to do makes no sense at all. And it's likely I could say something that might get me in trouble because I don't have a note. But I wanted to preach that sermon this morning, but God said, no, I got another word for you. So I don't know what's coming. We might be out in time to catch appetizers in about 10 minutes. I don't know. We can't stick our head in the sand and tell people that Jesus loves them while doing nothing about it.
I am not going to preach like most politicians immediately when they hear the noise. They go talk about gun control. The right side, they talk about don't take our guns. What I'm talking about to you today is not policy. It's not religion. It's just common sense. So, buckle your pew belts. I'm going to also. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 86. If you have your smartphone or if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. And we are going to walk through a psalm that many years ago meant a lot to me as a summer missionary living on my own in a trailer for 10 weeks at a state park outside of Myrtle Beach. I clung to this often. And a lot of times the beautiful thing about a psalm here, the book of Psalms, is that have you ever been going down the road and either on your music player or your radio, there's a song that comes on and you say, that tells exactly the way I feel. And tell, that, that is my song. Some of you that are married or have girlfriends or boyfriends, you have your song for your relationship. Donna and I, our song is Angel Eyes by Jeff Healy. It's a beautiful song. Everybody got your own song, I understand that. But when it comes to life, when it comes to moments like this, my psalm is not written by any artist. It cannot be played on any instrument because we don't know how it goes. But I know the writer of psalms who had a direct heart towards God. When you see a psalm, most times it starts with someone in pain. And it ends with somebody realizing that God is the answer to their pain. And if there's ever a book that can relate to our lives and our world, it is the Word of God. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You cannot burn it. You cannot ban it. You cannot banish it. It will not go away because it is active, it is living, and it is double-edged. So it will not only cut those that it goes against, but it also cuts those that are wielding it so that they will not be hypocrites when they speak about God's Word. I think of the time when I was in high school and I was a new Christian, and and uh, it was much different then. I, you know, I sound like... Somebody that's old, which I guess I am now. But in that days, you know, you didn't have to worry about getting too accosted in the upstate of South Carolina for carrying a Bible. You might get branded a Bible beater or a goody two-shoe or something like that. But I remember days that though now they weren't that big a deal. In those moments, they were a big deal for me. And I remember clinging on to this Bible, clinging on to the Scriptures. And so as we wake up this morning to a, a jaded world that is racked with sin, Should we be surprised? I don't think so. But what in the world can we do? 
Well, we see here in Psalm 86, it says, Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Just in that first verse, we see a perception correction. God is not on our level. He is not our buddy. He is not our homie. He is not our warm fuzzy. He is not our Oprah Winfrey. He is God and God alone. He is the Creator. He has existed. He always was. And He always will be. And so to think that we can lasso Him or that we can legislate Him and tell Him where He can and cannot be is foolishness. God is there. We are down here. And He is the rescuer. We, I, am the rescuee. If you've ever had to rescue somebody, whether it be your child or a friend or, or as a first responder, you know that the first rule is, is that if you're going to rescue somebody, you gotta make sure that you're safe yourself. Which is holding on to something strong or being harnessed in or, or just being solid and making sure that you have all the equipment you need. To make the rescue. My friend, God is our rescuer. God is your rescuer this morning. And so if you ask God, please bow down and hear my prayer, he's going to. I can imagine some of you that have had children or even have children right now. I can see them coming up to you and say, Daddy, i got to tell you a secret. Mommy, i got to tell you something important. Now, they will probably tell you something that makes no sense. But you're going to bend down and you're going to hear that little boy. Or you're going to hear that little girl. And no matter where you are today in your life, no matter what kind of baggage you carry, no matter what kind of sin is in your life, I want you to know that if you ask God to bow down and hear your prayer, He will. Bow down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. God cannot help somebody who thinks they don't need His help. Our world thinks that we don't need His help. He has been kicked out of schools. He has been kicked out of public places. He has been kicked out of some churches. He has been kicked out... Over place, over place, over place. And they say, thanks, but we got it. We know a better way. (sighs) Answer me, for I need your help. My friend, if you seek God and you ask Him to hear your prayer, you don't have to pray like a preacher. You don't have to pray like your Sunday school teacher or a deacon. You just got to say, God, I need your help. That means that you're saying... I can't do it on my own. Whether it be a situation that you're facing, whether it be future doctor's appointments, or whether it be the level of your checkbook, or whether it be some type of emotional or spiritual battle that you are in, you cannot make it on your own. Your husband can't fight that for you. Your wife cannot fight that for you. Your mama and your daddy can't fight that for you. 
Because that's one of the toughest things, as you heard Donna this morning, and she may go into greater detail later on, but for several months, the hardest thing for me was to watch my wife struggle with something that I had no control over. And all we could do, and all I could do is say, I can't fix this, God, but I need your help. She needs your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you, and you are my God. We see here that this is written from the perspective of a believer in God. So if anybody says to you, oh, you're a Christian, you shouldn't have problems, they evidently hadn't read the book of Psalms. Christians have problems. Because if anything, we have more problems because the devil's not worried about those that are living for him. He's worried about those who are living against him. It says in First Peter that the devil is a roaring lion running around seeking to devour those that are following God. When you draw the line in the sand for Satan, that's the exact place he's going to cross. So this is written by a believer that needs help. And so, my friend, if you are a believer, if you are a, a VBSer, if you know what a sunbeam is, if you know what a royal ambassador is, and you have been in church that long, you may even still need help from God. Or maybe you just got saved last week. I've got a couple people on my heart that have gotten saved and have done nothing with that decision. That's a dangerous place to be. We have to admit that we need help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you are my God. Isn't that amazing to know that devotion to God doesn't make following him that much easier? You say, well, I'm devoted to God. I deserve a good life. There's nothing wrong with that statement, I guess, until you think about it. So, you're devoted to God, so you should have it good all of your lives? That'd be like me saying, I got a gym membership, so I should be in perfect shape without even going. When we are devoted to God, God uses us. He molds us. I think of people like Joseph in the Old Testament. I think of Moses. I think of Job. I think of Jesus himself. You can't get any more devoted to God than Jesus Christ. And yes, he is our king, but he also was a suffering servant. Be merciful to me, O God. For I am calling on you constantly. What is mercy? Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. <laughs> I remember one time I went, I was in ninth grade. I was wrestling in uh, the varsity level. And so I'd walk from the middle school to the high school. And I remember one day we, you had to pair up with people. And at the time I was wrestling uh there was a heavyweight class believe it or not and so i would wrestle and there was no weight cap so i i did win one match during my wrestling career and that was a forfeit you can laugh it's okay i laugh too 
And I'll never forget one boy hit me on the floor so hard my foot tingled for a week. But this day at practice, the meanest wrestler we had on the team, guess who got to wrestle with him? Me. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun at all. I mean, he could have used a mop more efficient than he used me. But you know what? As I think about that, I think about the passage here. As then he says, be merciful to me, O Lord. I was not having a good time. And I've seen that guy tear people apart. But for some reason, he showed mercy on this little pudgy ninth grader. And he stopped mopping the floor with me. And he started taking it easy on me. And I was grateful for that. Look, you're going to have to wrestle in life. You're going to have to go through tough times. But because of God's mercy, He doesn't give you what you deserve. He gives you His mercy because of what Jesus Christ has done for your life. If anybody has told you from a pulpit or a Bible study or from a long nose that they think they're better than you, that Christians don't have problems and won't have trials, they evidently have not read this. And my friend, if you are having trials, if you're suffering, if you're needing God's help, don't think that that's a crutch. Don't think that that's a weakness. You are about to get stronger than you have ever been. Because in our weakness... He is made strong. I don't know how to fix the violence that I see on TV. I don't know how to clean up the streets of Homeland Park. I don't know how to clean up the streets of Anderson or how to do to make this church the biggest beacon that the world has ever seen. But I know this, I need help and God can do it. If you say, God, you need help, God will show you what you can do. Because there is only one God and you are not Him. And neither am I. It says in verse 4, Give me happiness, O God, for I give myself to you. O Lord, you are so good and so ready to forgive. So full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. There we have two fixes to this world. Two fixes, forgiveness and unfailing love. Now I'm going to go ahead and see it. You start talking about forgiveness from the pulpit and everybody's neck starts to tense up. That knot comes in because you, you say, oh, preacher, don't talk about that. Move on. But I'm telling you what, the reason we have hateful people in this world is maybe someone didn't forgive them. Maybe somebody didn't show some unfailing love to them. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you are on, whether you are far right, far left, alt right, alt left, or in the middle, or don't give a mess. You have to admit that the rhetoric and the talk and the speech is hate-filled. Maybe if the Christians and the churches would start showing a little more love, unfailing love, and forgiveness, maybe that would change this world. 
It says, listen closely to my prayer, O Lord, and hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I am in trouble, and you will answer to me. There is no urgency for prayer among the church today. Now, we have seen on the news where church services are interrupted by gunmen. We have seen what happens to our brothers and sisters overseas where their houses are getting raided and the mothers and the children are getting killed because they confessed faith in Jesus Christ. But it's not happening in our pew. It's not happening in our yard. It's not happening to us. And so we are just fine to just say, Oh God, please be with everybody. Do you have urgency in your prayer? Is this an urgent situation? Is our world in crisis? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this world has been in crisis ever since it first started spinning. From the moment sin entered into this world, this earth has begun the death process. Too many times we have foxhole prayers. We pray when we need to. We pray when we're hurting. And we say, God, if you ever, if you do this for me, I'll never do that again, or I'll be more devoted to you. And that passes after a while, after you get out of the ditch, doesn't it? It says in verse 8, No pagan God is like you. O Lord, none can do what you do. No pagan God is like you, O oh Lord. None can do what you do. Now, you, we got some good Christians in here. I understand. These are the Sunday morning Christians. Some of you are even Sunday night Christians. And some of you go as far as to be Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night Christians. And some of you have even taught in VBS. So, I mean, I know we've we got some great people in here, right? None of us would follow a foreign or a pagan God. We know enough to know that we don't want to be that person that can be easily duped. But the greatest God that you serve that seeks to take the idol of your life, to to take God off the throne of your life, the biggest pagan God you are tempted to serve is yourself. As long as I'm happy, everything's okay, right? No. We could be happy today, but does that take away what happened this morning? Nope. You could be happy today, but is that going to change when you go to the doctor's office and they give you the news you've been waiting for or not waiting for? Is that going to change when you get that letter in the mail that all of a sudden everything has changed? No. We have to be careful not to slide ourselves onto the throne of our heart and worship ourselves, our ways, rather than God. But he says here, no pagan God is like you. Oh, Lord, none can do what you do. My friend, I will tell you this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. If you can find any God to follow that can treat you better and that can have the results that the true, one true God has, then go. If you can live your life better on your own, Then you deal with God. Go! Quit being miserable. Jesus says, look, if you want to walk the fence, you make me so sick that my, in my, to my stomach, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. He doesn't take lukewarm Christianity very lightly. 
If there is a better way, then go. But if there's not, commit. Because the worst place to be as a believer is a halfway committed Christian that lives enough to be guilty for what they do, but not enough to know the blessings of serving Him. That is a terrible place to be, and that's where most of our Christians in America are today. It says in verse 9, All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. For you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. These men and women that are in leadership all across our world have power because they have been elected to positions. They've taken power. And ultimately, you know what? One day the sky is going to split and they are going to be powerless. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means Donald Trump will confess that Jesus is Lord. That means Nancy Pelosi will confess that Jesus is Lord. That even means that Bernie Sanders will confess that Jesus is Lord. (laughs) People think they have power. They just have a moment. It says in verse 11, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth, and grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. What this psalmist is saying is that teach me your word, let me understand your word, because I know that when I live according to your word, that is what keeps me safe. It says in God's word, Psalm 119, that that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You used to have teenagers tell me all the time, I don't know why there's so much drama in my life. They sounded just like that because their voice was changing. And they would say, I don't understand this. And I'll say, well, tell me, what do you do most of your day? Well, I go to school and I talk to my friends and I get home and, and I stay on my phone and I stay on my computer and, and I'm on Facebook and people are saying bad things about me and, and I don't think it's right. And then I go to bed and I get up in the morning and do it all over again. And then by that time, Wednesday night, I come to church and then I see my church friends and then I go on. Then I ask them, well, how much of God's word have you read this week? Huh? It's one thing to be a teenager, but adults are doing that too. Look, if the last time you read the Bible is one week ago, you're not going to get the instruction. You're not going to find the joy that God wants you to have. Just like the psalm says, if we want to change this world, I said earlier, I don't know exactly how to do it, but I know what? If I read this book, it will tell me. And so it will do the same thing for you. Teach me your ways, O Lord. The reason our ox is in a ditch is because we're trying to live our life, like Frank Sinatra said, my way. But that's not the way we should live. We should live God's way. Grant me your purity of heart so that I may honor you. With all my heart, I will praise you, O Lord my God, and I will give you glory For your name forever, for your love and your mercy, great you have 
you have rescued me from the depths of death. This is a believer who was down as slow as he could go, and he prayed, and God pulled him up. I remember Charles Stanley saying this, and I'll say it to you. You cannot, absolutely not, praise God and stay in your spiritual funk. It's impossible. When you get down, pray. When you're up, pray. I remember a couple weeks ago, I forget, at this time I don't even remember what was on my brain, but it was something that I thought was pretty significant. And all of a sudden I just started walking through the house. Donald wasn't at home, and I just kept saying out loud, remember your blessings, remember your blessings, remember your blessings. And it went away. It came back. (laughs) So I said again, remember your blessings, remember your blessings, remember your blessings. Let's don't give the power to the things that bring us down. Let's grab power from the things that God has given us. But you, O Lord, in verse, make sure I can read this right, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And I know when I read that, the first thing people are going to say, yeah, sure, God is full of love, but he's let all these bad things happen. As I said earlier, we cannot have God's protection apart from God. Our nation wanted God out of our lives. Your parents, your grandparents, and you voted for politicians that agreed with the same thing. So don't blame it on the Republicans or the Democrats or a movement or a a law that has been decreed. Yes, those things we live by, but somebody let it happen. They were too busy Describing, ascribing to whether they were a donkey or an elephant back in the day. And plus, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, government is not going to fix this. They cannot make up enough laws that will stop what happened this morning. And there are not enough guns that can be made to stop what happened this morning. Ephesians 6 is clear. We struggle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and rulers of this dark world. My hats are off to the first responders and the police officers that we put our faith in to keep us safe. But even they are human and they hurt and they are frustrated. But my friend, God is still unfailing in His love. And if we were to return to Him, He would accept us with open arms. But don't expect to see that on your favorite news show. It starts right here. Then He says, in verse 16, Look down and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant. Save me, the son of your servant. Just send me a sign of your favor. And those who hate me 
will be put to shame. For you, O Lord, help and comfort me. I can't comfort you this morning with whatever you're going through. I can't explain how these things are happening. And I can't tell you that they're going to stop. But I can tell you what God's Word says. That we as believers better start seeking Him. Because He is our hope. He is in control. And if we live out the life that He gives us, we will make a difference in this community, in this state, in this nation, and this world. It's not going to come from fighting for your rights. It's going to be you living the light that will turn this around. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for showing up today. And, and Lord, I, I don't know who or what this message was for other than just, Lord, you laid it on my heart. And, Lord, so I know that it was for somebody, if no one else, me. But, Lord, this invitation tonight, or actually this morning, is just to invite someone, if they have fallen in their faith, or they don't have faith in Jesus Christ, and and they want to make sense of everything that's happening, not only in this world, but most importantly in their life, if they want to know that unfailing love and forgiveness that the psalmist spoke about, May they come forward this morning and they can start a new life today by living for you. Maybe one day, Lord, we will pray with urgency. Maybe one day our altars will be filled and our prayer meetings will be packed. But for today, it seems like people will only pray when they need it. So, Lord, if that means we get put in positions where we need you more, you will do that. But, Lord, I know this. You are in control that you love us. And this is not what you want for us, but it's a result of our actions. So Lord, if there's anybody that would like to return to you today, may they come forward and pray with me or pray at the altar or speak with a friend. If they don't want to come alone, they can come with themselves. But if you want to know Jesus Christ today, may you come forward. God, this invitation is for you, for it's in your name we pray. Amen.